Hello, and welcome to the Event Safety Podcast. I'm Danielle Hernandez. I'm Steve Edelman. And today, today we're talking touring, but not rock and roll touring. Today we're talking about Broadway touring. Uh, we all have a special guest from Networks, which is uh, tours like Blue Man Group and Filler on the Roof and Hairspray and Les Mis and a whole bunch of other ones. And Steve, why don't you introduce our special guest? So our special guest today is Hector Wivas from Networks Presentations. And I'm just going to say right at the outset, Hector, if you can hook us up with Blue Man Group tickets, <laughs> I am your best friend because everybody knows Steve I love Blue Man Group. loves Blue Man Group. It shows really? up in every like third pod. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, so many stories about Blue Man Group. Wow. Oh, well, <laughs> let's what, save that what for were later. we going to talk about? No, let's <laughs> talk about Blue Man Group. So Hector Weavos, tell us what Networks Presentations does and what you do with them. So just so we can have some context and then we'll roll through the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm the senior production manager uh, for Networks Presentations. Um, Networks uh, is a company that produces uh, Broadway touring musicals, um, uh, mostly. Uh, there are some straight plays every now and then that, that Networks produces. Uh, and Blue Man Group it can be considered a musical. Yeah, okay. <laughs> According to Steve, yes, Blue Man Group is everything. Great. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, the company produces these tours. Uh, they're all national tours. Uh, there are times when we do take some of these tours uh, overseas. Um, and uh, in the past, Networks has also produced uh, strictly international um, uh, tours. But for the most part, uh, our bread and butter is national tours in the U.S. And those can range anything from what we call the bus and truck tours, where there's, um, you know, these tours are playing two, three cities a week, possibly, uh, to our uh, our bigger shows, our national shows that sit down for a week or two weeks or three weeks, those being the Phantom of the Operas, the Lane Mises, the Miss Saigons, and, uh, and, and things like that. So, so, and what is your role? Uh, as a production, senior production manager, uh, it's really, it's just a title. It just means I've been around <laughs> pretty long. <laughs> um, but there are uh, four production managers and we each have our shows that we uh, manage. Um, you know, starting from from the very beginning with the idea of, uh, of the concept uh, design, we're staffing shows. We uh, sort of really deal with all the logistics of getting a tour up and running, and, and then once they're up and running, we're we're managing from afar for the most part, making sure all the production elements um, are being adhered to. Um, the the crew, which we're who we really deal with. Um, and then for, for this topic is uh, making sure that the safety, um, all the safety protocols that we put in place are, are being followed. Um, uh, it can be a little daunting depending uh, in the different markets, the different venues, the different local crews yeah, <laughs> that you run into. Exactly. Um, it's a little tricky sometimes. but so, yeah. so, so that's my first question. I even wrote it down on my paper that no one can see because it's an audio thing. Where do you start? Let's say you're sending Anastasia out for the first time, because it's one of the first ones listed. That's the only reason I picked it, guys. Uh, so if it's your favorite, woohoo! And if it's not, it's nothing personal. Uh, you're sending it out for the first time. Where do you start your like risk assessments and your logistics? Everything starts with um, so some networks has been doing this for you know 25 years. There, we basically created what we call the box. Um, we know that this type of tour, it's Anastasia, it's going to be a bus and truck tour, it's going to play these markets. Um, because there's history there, 
networks know that how we need to model the, the design all for lighting, scenic, um, what the staffing is gonna be like, uh, trucking wise, what we need to, what we need to sort out. Um, all that is, is part of a box. Uh, and, and from that point, we say, now we are gonna start with um, the, the designs for, for all of them, the, the, the structure or how it's going to tour, the staffing and what safety measurements are get added in. I, I don't wanna to say towards the end, um, but we need to figure out what everything else is before um, we know what sort of safety measures we need to implement. Um, and those get tricky again, because we deal with the different types of uh, locals and different markets. Um, there are parameters that we sort of have to, um, uh, are, are stuck with that sometimes may not allow us to follow every industry standard that we, we want to, but we are still making sure that we, we follow what we need and make sure everyone's safe uh, and sound, including equipment. So, so you start with the show and then you basically figure out what that show needs to keep everybody safe. Um, I assume Wait, that who, involves who's everybody in, yeah. in this conversation. Who's uh, everybody? The, 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 the road crew specifically, and mainly because um, they're the ones that are, they're unloading the trailers, right? They're putting up all the heavy scenery. They're, they're rigging, they're rigging motors, they're rigging truss, they're, you know, sound towers laying down deck, hanging heavy scenery. So we need to figure out how to make sure that that stuff can happen with the road crew um, specifically. And that, it, and that it also allows them to manage um, the local crew. Because uh, for the most part, you know, the, the touring crew, basically they're gonna be more of supervisors, right? Uh, the, the, yeah. the local crew, they're gonna be the ones doing the ground work. So we need to make sure that everything that we're, we're traveling is safe. We have the equipment to make everything as safe as possible, um, and we start with the. We start to empower. We'll, we'll basically, we empower the road crew uh, to be the ones to manage all of that and implement as many safety standards as, as we can. Again, knowing that some places are going to be some places we go, to, we're going to have those cowboys, right? It's like, oh no, I got this. I'm going to handle this by myself, or it's not my first rodeo. The, the most common term, you know, we we hear on the road. Uh, and, and then it's really for the for the up to the road crew to say, you know, no, four guys. All right, each of you grab a corner. Okay, we're gonna lift, you know. So um, that actually ends up being the, the biggest battle, I think, on the road. Um, I mean, this goes back to, you know, when I was on the road, when I don't want to say there weren't any safety measures, but uh, but there were, was there was different. definitely less attention to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> interactions with local crew. What about the venues themselves? So I assume that you guys send a whole bunch of information in a tech writer and then again in an advance because I, I know that some of those shows are super heavy. So I assume you're sending stuff like what the load's gonna be on the roof? Yeah, so we do uh, point loads for uh, all of our equipment. Um, most of it's, um, uh, we, we sort of, uh, there's some estimates based off of uh, knowledge of we have equipment. It's hard to um, get everything, so we sort of um, over exaggerate what we what the we think the weight is going to be, what weight mm -hmm. loads specifically, single point loads for things like audio towers and, and lighting trucks, which are the really um, the, the heavy items. Um, and but things also saying that things that go on the rigging system, the line set system, we we send along the weights, we send along you know, where the pick lines are. So we know where the weight's really gonna be distributed to make sure that their system can handle 
uh, the stuff that we're putting up. And there are times when you know, our what we're traveling is too heavy or doesn't really work within the 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 venue system, whether it's their grid, whether it's their fly system, uh, the deck, whether it can't take a you know certain amount of weight. Um, we've had shows where our the senior the senior is so heavy that they've had to go in and shore up the the, the stage from underneath. Um, so there, so they have all of our information, and ultimately, there's never a, a, a true issue. But there are times when when we have to say. A, B, and C are not going to work in this venue. So, so you have those backup plans mm -hmm. when you're like, the deck of this venue can't hold there, this. There's, there's, <laughs> always a, there's always a backup plan. And, do, plan. and depending on what show, some, show, some shows have more power, <laughs> yeah. uh, basically built off of what the ticket sales. Um, mm -hmm. So they can, they can go to a venue and say, if you want this show, you need to do A, B, and C. Yeah, um, I, I know our local venue has... A bunch of different modifications so that they could do Saigon and Phantom and something else like holes in walls and yeah, and the, the frozen. <laughs> you know, Phantom was the first show that really started to do that. You know, twenty mm -hmm. odd years ago. Um, yep. You know, uh, uh, Frozen uh, has a lot. Um, Aladdin with uh, with the flying carpet. So a lot of these shows. Um, the Saigon, which is mine for a while. Yeah, the the weight of the helicopter and where it tracks and uh, yeah. door openings. <laughs> 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 little things like doors yeah. and, and again you know we, we make those decisions depending on the market if it's uh, if it's not a strong market that um, doesn't warrant those uh, major uh, renovations um, whether it's just a door opening or structural uh, to uh, make sure there's a the weight allowance works for us then we we do make some changes but um, typically we're like the Saigons and the, and the Phantoms and Lateness's um, the venues they're going to invest the money because they're going to right because that's going to sell pretty well yeah. um so so i assume there's a fairly robust even with established venues there's a really uh, robust communication back and forth is that primarily you or is it the touring crew or is it some engineers Who, who's having those conversations it's, um it's at the very beginning it is the production manager uh or, you know we with our along with our tech writer, the, all the venues will have um, you know their technical specs that we can take a look at. And at the very beginning, we can say uh, this isn't going to work or this will work. Um, uh, very rarely do we involve an engineer, um, uh, but there are times when when we've had to do that. Um, a lot of times, and, and a lot of it too is also depending on the uh, local um, mandates for for some of these venues. You know, California is really strict about things like. Um, actor flying. So whenever there's an actor flying in the show, uh, there is an engineer that has to come in and sign off. It's happened before, even if they've done a show, um, if they've had a show where actors flew, it's every time an actor has to fly, they come in and they have to do a whole survey. Um, <laughs> specifically when there's act, uh, children involved, then, then you know those roles get really, really, really tight, right? Well, which is great. Which um, is good, because then yeah. you can sleep at night yeah oh yeah there's nothing like no, you know, I, kids in you know, the I, air i did the billy elliott tour for a while and you know you know having kids fly overhead was always was always tricky so luckily uh there were never any any major issues um but they're they're having those those venues or, or those cities or, um or, or the states that are really pushed for that it's it's it actually makes it a lot easier for me to like you said sleep at night to deal with that 
But once the tours um, are up and running, uh, you know, the, the, the touring head carpenter, which is essentially a technical director, uh, does the advances with the venues. And, and depending on the um, complexity of the show, um, that really determines how in-depth these conversations have to be. So um, obviously, again, using Phantom and Miss Saigon and Les Mis as the examples where uh, the automation, the weight, the intricacies of the equipment, those conversations, uh, they're, they happen, they're more intense, they're more detailed, um, and they happen a lot sooner than what a typical uh, show, a touring production would have to do with. So, so, all right, there's a little bit theater specific, uh, but in, in, in theater, a lot of times you'll have a fight call or an intimacy call before the show every, every day. Are there yeah. similar things for automation or any other tricks? Yeah. So we call that, uh, we just call it an automation checkout mm -hmm. um, where we do, um, obviously it, every time we move the show, there needs to be almost a, almost a dry run, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. of the equipment, make sure everything's uh, going. And again, depending on the complexity of the show, uh, it could last anywhere. It could be a, a 10 minute checkout. It could be, you know, an hour checkout. Uh, the helicopter in Miss Saigon was about a 45 to, a, to an hour um, time frame that we needed to make sure uh, it all ran uh, smoothly, which also included, you know, from, from its offstage living, uh, offstage position to um, a full rehearsal with the local uh, crew to set it, um, uh, make sure it's in the track, uh, uh, make sure everything's working right. We fly it with the, um, uh, one of those crew members will get into the helicopter and just make sure the balance uh, was working. Uh, and yeah, that would that'd take about 40, 45 minutes to an hour, depending. Uh, Miss I got, or a phantom with the walls and the pyro and all that stuff would be checked out as well. And, and pyro is a big thing. You know, we would do a pyro checkout with a fire marshal, you know, on the scheduled time. Uh, and, and that would happen, you know, every time we, uh, the show got loaded in and moved. And, and yeah, like, much like my call, there's always a schedule. It, it, every, before every performance, there would be a, a checkout to make sure everything was working. So Hector, it, it sounds like you're bringing in all of the production elements and you're checking those things to make sure that they are safe and working correctly. I, I'm thinking about the inside of a theater. Do you have do you does network presentations networks presentations have any responsibility or any authority over what happens in any other parts of a theater in other words the house the seating area anything do you have any responsibility or authority over any of that stuff we have a final set if, if things aren't what um, the production needs to run smoothly and safely Yes, we we have a final say and said this is this isn't going to happen. We talked about uh, again. I, I like to I like to use the big shows as an example because they're the ones that really they have so much to to manage. And you know we had the chandelier fall in um, in Phantom. You know if if we just didn't feel good about where it was um, the height of it, uh, how how far it was coming, uh, or what distance it was from the audience member, then we would just say, this is going to be a, a no-fall show, where chandelier is just not going to fall here. Yeah. So does that mean that the authority that you have is basically the authority to say, no, we're not going to do something? 
as opposed to the authority to say, oh, we insist that we're going to do something, even if you, you know, local venue in a particular town, even if you're not comfortable, this is just part of our show. We're going to do this. That's not the way it works, is no. it? No. One of the great things, too, about that is that it, it is, um, it, it's not one-sided. You know, both, both parties have to feel comfortable doing something. So, um, and, and that happens a lot. You know, it, it happens with how we, some of the equipment we use, which, you know, can be completely rated for, the, for what we're doing. Um, and then some markets, somebody will be like, no, I want to add this after safety measure. And we do that. They, they have the right, the, the local venue has the right to say, we don't feel safe doing that. Um, it's just like the, the producers or the touring company says, we don't feel safe doing this, so we're not going to. Um, Similar question. I'm just thinking about operational issues right now. Um, if something goes wrong, you know, let's say it goes wrong with equipment that your company helps to bring in and supervises you know, the construction of it. If something goes wrong during a performance, who has the authority to say, whoa, wait a minute, we got to pause this, you know, close the curtains, we got to fix something. Is <laughs> Steve that... just stole my question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm super yeah. literal minded. I'm sort of going through the differential of things that can go wrong right now. So, you know, if there is, let's just say a, you know, simple mechanical failure, but it's got to be fixed. Um, is that the decision of someone with your company or is that, you know, a stage manager or is that somebody so else? It, How does that get made? People. So it's two people. So, so if something happens, something um, uh, uh, breaks or something mechanical, it, it just isn't working. Then it's the conversation is from the, um, the stage manager seems that do we need to hold the show? Because there's, there's contingencies. So let's say you had these huge automated uh, sliders that tracked back and forth, 2,000 pound walls that tracked back and forth. Is it in a safe spot? Is it safe? You know, is it going to fall? Um, can we get it off stage? Or can we just continue the show? Or can we just pause? So th that conversation happens. So if, if the show can't continue safely, whether it's, again, a, 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 let's say this automated wall is in the middle of stuck on stage and then something else can't happen or the, uh, the actors can't complete their blocking or their choreography or any scene change. If it gets to the point where the show can't continue, we, the stage manager will call a, hold, uh, a stop to the show or hold. Um, we make an announcement uh, over, over um, uh, we call the the God mic so the, the audience knows, everybody knows what, what's happening. We'll close the curtain if, if that's an ability that we have. Discussions are had backstage with the touring head carpenter, again, the, basically the technical director, uh, stage management. We go over what the options are. And there are times when we say this has to be repaired. We can't. We have to call the show. We have to cancel. Or, um, and, and yeah, that's happened uh, a few times. Uh, Mary Poppins was, you know, the big automated house. You know, there's so yeah. many moving parts. Um, yeah. Mary Poppins is a bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a big one. Um, oftentimes we jokingly called it Mary Stoppins because uh, it, <laughs> it had so many uh, so many issues. Um, but yeah, so it, it's it, it, ultimately the stage manager is going to make the decision whether or not we're going to stop the show. Um, but the stage manager will have or gather all the information from uh, the road crew, specifically the head carpenter. Uh, you know, the, so many people have so many opinions that it really just needs to be one person talking to one person to make a decision uh, on what goes, what goes on next. So 
Hector Rivas from Network's presentations, you may not be picking up on the illusion that Danielle and I were both eager to get to, but there's a tie-in to the conversation we just had with the conversations we had over the last two event safety podcasts, Danielle is now nodding, uh, which is we were talking about the incident command system and how decisions are made in a command center or control room environment during events, you know, whether large or small. And Hector, you just described an analogous decision-making process, even in the touring production world, where information has to go up from the subject matter experts to someone who has, you know, some sort of broad understanding of the entire nature of the event and all the different contingencies that need to be considered. Then they make a decision and then they implement that decision, which roughly speaking is what we've been talking about now for the last three event safety <laughs> podcasts. And it is a wonderful a theme. <laughs> it is a theme. Things work together in the law. We call that the seamless web of the law. And it actually is a thing. So it's nice to hear, Hector Rivas, that you know it still works even in the environment we're talking about today, you know, touring productions. So, it's so, the only way they can work, right? It's, yeah. I don't know how it, it works. There has to be this, com this communication and it has, you know, it's hard to make decisions in life. It's hard to make any informed decisions without having the information. So, so uh, if the house decides that the show needs to stop because of weather or some sort of other threatening situation, how, how does, do they go to the stage manager as well? Yes, because the, the, really the stage manager is the only one that has the ability to, um, to tell control what's happening on the stage and then to be able to uh, communicate that over, um, uh, over microphone in, into the audience. So and there, there have been instances where there's been uh, severe weather um, and yes, we, everyone stops. Um, essentially what happens is we stop the show, you, you hear it, everyone clears the stage, everyone's told what's happening, and then we go on to... Um, uh, whatever the, the plan is. Uh, each venue will also have uh, some sort of, um, oh gosh, what is it? Uh, uh, emergency action plan. Emergency action plan. That's, Thank you. that's yeah. my next question for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. so, 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 you know, because we're on this theme, I know that the venue will have emergency action plans. I'm assuming you guys do as well. Um, and is that something you train people on? You know, anything from Oh, I'm going to go really old school and, and make a bunch of people mad. Uh, Griselda gets stuck at the top of the tire and can't come down. <laughs> you know, do you have all those plans and how do you communicate those plans throughout the cast and crew so that they know what to do if there's severe weather or if something breaks or all that? Same thing. So we go, um, the stage manager will call a hold, which gets, mm -hmm. um, which gets heard over the stage. Um, so, you know, all the crews, uh, all the crew members are on uh, and the assistant and the state managers are on a headset. So they're in constant communication. Um, so, you know, prior to the hold, they're combined, the stage manager will say, hey, just so you know, this is about to happen. Calls the hold, audiences inform what's happening, we close the curtain, and then we um, initiate the whatever the uh, a rescue action would, would be if someone was stuck up in a tire in the air. So curtain comes down. Um, and then it's just a communication between whoever the operator is for, for automation and us, we'll bring them down, exit, and then we follow whatever uh, the venue's um, uh, emergency action plan is. So in 
uh, like we've never had to deal with an earthquake, but we've dealt with tornadoes. You know, it's like, great, everyone, um, you're staying in costume, you're heading down to the basement, or, you know, if, if there's a fire, there's always, um, I had a time this also communicated ahead of time during the advance with the stage management company management and the head carpenter about um, uh, where we meet uh, in case of a fire and and uh, sadly in the last two years there's also active shooter um, uh, discussions that are had and things like that so so are those discussions had every day or when you first get to the venue you know do you do a tour and say look guys these are your exits just make a note yeah, so every time we go into a new venue, the, the, for the loading process, when we start to get um, the show, uh, the production elements loaded into the, uh, into the show, there's always a, a, a quick discussion with the local venue and saying, you know, where do we meet in case of A, B, or C? You know, what's the plan? Where do we go? Um, and then that gets communicated by the stage management team to the cast and the, the, the other musicians um, before every first performance in a venue, um, there's a, a quick company meeting to discuss uh, uh, touring, um, uh, things that have to do with, with touring, what's going on, uh, and with any specific information that needs to be disseminated. Now, does everyone remember what it was just talked about you know, two days later? Who knows? But uh, the information is given. Uh, and then in the call board, uh, there's always some information that's placed as well uh, regarding um, uh, what to do in, in case of an emergency. Yeah. I've seen some beautiful call boards where somebody has obviously put a lot of thought into that. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think over Describe the Describe what that is. What's so, a call board? So the call board is a, basically a bulletin board for yep. specifically for um, the touring company where- um, And it's typically by the door that you yeah, come Yeah, so it'll be by the stage door. Uh, it's one of the first things you'll see when you walk in and, and that'll just have a, a multitude of information. It'll, I mean, it could have everything from restaurants in the area, you know, your sign-in sheet. Um, uh, it, it, it puts up, but the emergency action plan, you'll see um, emergency contact numbers, uh, things like that. So it's, it, you always have to go sign in. Yeah, the, so that's, that's the piece that's different is with, with theater in general, you sign in when you first get there so that the stage manager isn't yeah. poking their head in every door. Is so-and-so here? Yeah. Has anyone so, seen Danielle? <laughs> yeah, so, so all that, all that like very important pivotal information that you need is, is where you have to go um, anyway uh, to, to go in. And, uh, you know, the, the, like the crew doesn't have to sign in, right? But they still have to walk by it by the stage door. Um, but there's also where other touring information is going to be placed uh, for, well, I should say that a lot of that's changing now because now it's all like on an app. So, right. you know, you're just going to go to the portal now and and you're gonna, all the information is going to be sent there. But, um, but even things like the OSHA regulations and all that stuff will get gets posted so everyone knows that it has to be uh, visually placed somewhere. So Hector, that was actually one of the things that we were chatting about before we started recording. Um, you know, I knew I was going to get in the normalization of deviance concept sooner or later. So at the beginning of that little segment of our conversation, you said, you know, there's some kind of safety talk at the beginning when we show up and, you know, who knows if anybody remembers that. Um, and it sounds like there's a process, you know, you have everything posted, or maybe now it's on an app. Is there any reinforcement of the basic health and safety stuff that people ought to know, given the likelihood that they're busy and they're going to forget or just not think about it 
So if you know that people are going to forget something that's important, what, as you experience it, what is done to fill in the gaps so that people are actually thinking about working safely? Interesting. I don't, um, I don't know, honestly, if there is any reinforcement. Um, you know, sometimes at the end of each performance, the, the stage manager will say, don't forget, you know, this or, or that, if there's something pertinent. Um, but I don't, honestly, don't know if there's any sort of just like a follow-up. Um, Usually it's one of those, kind of what we talked about before, we're, we tend to be a little bit more reactive, right? So um, something happened that went, you know, uh, it, it, whether it was a, a, a small accident, an injury or something happened, then that's what's gonna cause everyone to, you know, go back and think, oh, right, I need to you know, think about this, 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 and this, and this. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I will say in the, in the last few years, well, skipping the last year because that doesn't nothing happened there uh but but prior to that but after some of the the more bigger occurrences in in performance venues i will say that in general people pay much more attention when i give that talk than they ever used to so i'm hoping that there's more ownership of where the exits are and where we meet and where first aid is simply because people's awareness of something could happen is a little bit higher. That's just my my experience is no, people I, actually listen to me now. I agree. I, I also <laughs> think, and this is going to make me sound like, you know, like an old curmudgeon, but I also think that there, the, um, I like this joke, the youth of America um, now, we're, there's a different breed, right? There's there's no Podcast longer. Hector is 105 years old. <laughs> well, I mean, they had, down to his knees. <laughs> they, they've had active shooter training since they were six. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So they're more accustomed to this, right? You, 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 if you look at the the people that've been in, in the industry for such a long time or um, or older, there's a lot of like, you know, I think we were talking about this earlier. This cowboy attitude, like I got this. I'm going to be fine. I don't need to do, but now there is there is a lot more awareness and, and mm-hmm. yes there there's a lot that um a lot of companies have been doing to to bring awareness to to, to safety or just generally um just looking out <laughs> uh for health i mean just health alone and, and taking care of your bodies um but i think there is something there's something to do with with the generation that's coming up where um it, it's more it's been instilled or at least it, it, it earlier in life uh, they've been um having to experience um the, the, these conversations about taking care of yourself and just being safe and you know aware of your surroundings. Well, I, I was actually thinking about well us, you know, us circus folk, you know, traveling from town to town, putting our shows on. Um, here's the specific example that I was thinking about. So last night I went to a live event because I live in Arizona. What pandemic? Um, and I saw the virtuoso violinist Sarah Chang, and it was fantastic. And I was by far the youngest person there. They did not make any announcement telling people that there would be no um, photography or video recording Mm -hmm. before the event. There was not that announcement. It perhaps was an intentional omission because the demographic is not particularly skillful at using cell phones. But I think that's too snarky. I think they just forgot. And it's because we're all out of practice at giving even the routine safety messages. And frankly, that's something that I am concerned about, that we're all rusty. So, you know, as I think about 
what if people forget the routine stuff? My concern is heightened now because we've been out of practice, at least out of our routines for the last couple of years. I, I wonder, I mean, tricky. yeah, the, I would say the rust factor is absolutely accurate, especially if you're in the Northeast or California, uh, where they've been more restrictive. So they've been out longer. Um, but, uh, but I would also say, I think fewer shows are caring about the camera thing because it's just a battle that's hard to, hard to fight. Yeah, but that's um, a different. <laughs> yeah. It's um, so now all these, uh, I mean, if you listen to, when you go to see a, a Broadway show or a touring production, um, the, the announcements are now part of the show, right? Mm-hmm. So they're right before it's like, back <laughs> the in the city, you, know, <laughs> you know, a hairspray, you know, hairspray takes a time, it takes place in a time where there were no cell phones or, you know, so there, you know, it, it, it's part of a bit now, um, which I actually think um, great. has more effect. Right, yeah. than your typical like Southwest standard. Airlines safety announcements. Yeah, you know, they, they that, that build monotone, it into something fun. Yeah, that that monotone like voiceover, right? So, um, I, uh, so it, um, I think it is more effective, and I, I can't remember the last time there wasn't um, an announcement that, that was made. So, you know, but yeah. going back to the routine thing, I, you know, myself, I, you know, out of the first tech that I went to this year or back in September, you know, I would put my hard hat down. Um, when I was in the house and then, you know, in years past was the first, if I started walking towards the stage in any direction, any direction towards the stage, the first thing I would do is grab my hard hat, but I'd lost that. So I'd, I'd be on stage and things are happening. And, you know, I got the, the touring head carpenter is like, I know you're my boss, but, uh, I got to tell you, you got to put your head, your, uh, your hard hat on, which is great. Like, That's fantastic. You know, yeah, I'm glad like, that they were able to say, Hey boss yeah, hat. <laughs> You're gonna make me sit through your safety meetings. I'm gonna tell you, you gotta go through the artist. So, but but that took I mean that took me a, a few days, you know, probably a week before it it became second nature again. So yeah, just everybody needs to think think a little bit more because mm-hmm. it's all just not second nature. So, all right, I, I like to joke with when touring shows come here is because. Um, I run a venue. It's, it's, they're putting, I have the same box every day that a different show comes in and they have a different, they're going to different boxes every day. So we have opposite sides of the same problem. Uh, (laughs) So what's some interesting story that you have about, yeah, I'm sure you have hundreds. You're going to have to pick just, just one, um, you know, where, where, where you got to the box and you had to solve a problem. Huh? Make it safety related because it's the event safety podcast. Oh, safety. oh Lord. Way to narrow it. Yeah, I'm narrowing the focus. Wow. So, so I'll reintroduce you while you think about this. Here's your filibuster. So we're talking with Hector Weavas from Networks Presentations, and he is holding his head in his hands, trying to come up with an example responsive to the question posed by our host, Danielle Hernandez. <laughs> Hector Weavas, take it away. Yeah, that's that's hard. Okay, well, here's here's it. So there are some venues out there that we still tour that have a wooden grid. Really? Wait, oh, what? A wooden grid? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I know they exist. I didn't know yeah. that you guys went to them. <laughs> oh, okay. So the grid is the, is in most buildings, is a steel structure that is load-bearing. It has a very specific capacity. And in, in older theaters, it's made of wood. 
because yes. that's how it used to be. That sounds right. insane. It it is, and there's I mean there they're very few. The, they're very few. Yeah. So but okay, go on. <laughs> when you get to those venues. Um, you have twelve thousand pounds of truss uh, uh, for electrics that you have to put up, and but you can't rig to these wooden beams. So so what do you do? You literally you you fly in their house bounds. You you take apart your um, your electric truss and you hang just enough hang lights. Everything on battens on their electric. Yes. <laughs> which defeats the whole purpose of traveling with trust and trying to make things um, uh, uh, you know quick and and uh, yeah it's it's uh those are always fun. Yeah, I don't that that's a tricky one. I, you know, I, I mean it happens. It probably happens all the time, but it's small stuff. But the yeah. wood batten, the wood grid, that's. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still a thing. It, it's still a thing. I mean, from so. just a pure historical thing, I'm intrigued and would love to go see it. Um, I would not want to try to hang bring anything. A, I wouldn't well, want to I, bring a network show there. Yeah, well, I think that's <laughs> the thing, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was all manageable. But now the, the, the shows, shows are, are too heavy, too, too heavy, too, too complex. But the venues haven't changed. Right. Right. Rock and roll is the same exact thing where the shows are now extremely heavy and complicated um, and cool. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, those if they're trying to go to a place that doesn't have that structural capacity. Yeah. It's hard. At, at that point, it's like, you know, I, I would always joke, you know, you know, this may be the worst show we're putting up. But this is the best show that these people have, you know, this audience has seen because, um, you find a way to 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 bring yeah. in a product that everyone's going to be uh, happy with. Um, you know, there was just a news story about a show in France where the power went out and everybody held their cell phone up and they continued the show, and it, they are all like, "It was magic." Yeah. So, I mean, theater's theater. <laughs> it is. It's, it's somehow always, and, and that's the thing, right? We always tell me, everyone's, "What do we do? What do we do? It's, it's going to be fine. We're just we're going to be safe, and it's just going to be fine." And it just yep. happens. It just happens. The good thing about being a bunch of creative people, you know, yeah, exactly. we, we, we can use that creativity yeah. to solve mm -hmm. our own problems as well as, you know, just coming up with things that are entertaining. So this may get edited out. Hector, do you want to talk about how you've handled the COVID challenges? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how we're still handling? The oh, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. I know that's you know, a continual... There were uh, there were a lot of discussions um, on on how on how we were going to be able to tour productions um, in the COVID world uh, safely. Um, it, you know, it, um, almost almost weekly, the, you know, our protocols changed, uh, and it's still the same actually. You know, um, we're, the, the changes are happening less frequently, but uh, leading up to it, you know, it, it was tough. It was. Um, I, I think the hardest part was that we could control the, the, the people that are employed by the company. So the, the actors, the musicians, the crew, right? We can say, if you want a job, these are the things you have to do. You're going to be testing. This is your testing schedule. You're going to be wearing a mask. You know, you're going to follow all, the, all these rules and protocols. Um, really, the hardest part was dealing with some of the, some of the venues where uh, I would say their beliefs um, in what the pandemic was didn't really align up with the, the touring company's beliefs. Um, so it, it, 
in that there were there are often times where we didn't have enough local staff crew to like um, put together our, our full production uh, safely and in a timely manner. Um, and we're still dealing with those challenges, not not as frequent. I think people have realized like, oh, um, and not to make it political, but oh, I better get vaxxed if I want to go work, you know, things like that, um, which is, you know, but it, but it's all manageable. Um, you know, as far as how we deal with the company, the touring company, you know, everyone's wearing a mask. Um, we sanitize uh, all the, the communal props, um, get sanitized now between every production. Um, we're making sure people are wearing gloves. Uh, uh, wardrobe teams are wearing like a full face mask. Uh, uh, our wake people, you know, because the, the, the proximity to, um, to others are, you know, it's really close. They're so, really close. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we've taken all this, as many safety precautions as we can. Um, we've made some changes, uh, even things, uh, if a kiss isn't absolutely necessary, you know, to, to tell the story, um, then we remove a kiss, you know, certain blocking has been changed. You know, we went into this year building new production saying, okay, we're going to build it this certain way. Cause it's only going to take two people to assemble this versus, you know, six people, um, you know, in close proximity to each other, holding something up and bolting in. So there, a lot of that was taken into account. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, again, we're, we're still dealing, we, we've added uh, extra coup people, extra cast to a touring company that we normally wouldn't have uh, in the event that um, uh, someone were to get COVID and, and this happened. So. so does that mean that you've had backup professionals in case, you know, the, the first line yeah. gets sick and can't come to the show? Yeah. So you know, the, uh, the cast will always have, um, we call them, the understudies are the swings. Um, uh, and we've, uh, into our productions, we've added more than we typically would. Um, in some productions, we have folks that are traveling with us. Um, some folks we have, when some instances we have folks who are home, they're ready to go at a moment's notice uh, for the cast, uh, musicians, and and the crew. Um, the crew one's been fun. Yeah, I, I have to give a shout out to to all yes. the crew <laughs> that has worked a show like years ago and has gotten the call and traveled across the country at an hour's notice yeah. to go cr run the automation or run the lights or call the spots on a show that they haven't worked in three years. Cause I know for yeah. a fact, I know people that, that have done that and huge, huge kudos to them for, for keeping the shows up. Yeah. We've been, we've been pretty fortunate. Um, you know, there, there have some times where we just, we didn't have enough cast or, or enough <laughs> crew to, to, to do a show, you know, the hard part is the audio. Like if you don't know how to mix a show, that's not something you can just walk into. Right. Mm -mm. So. <laughs> and then we make changes. We say, all right, this person is, they don't know the full, they don't know the show fully. So, you know, maybe we're not going to move this super heavy piece over people's heads. We're just, we're, we're just cutting it for however long it takes until we get uh, more training on it. Um, or the, the person whose, you know, primary job is to do that until they're back. So we, we make, we make uh, changes and adjustments like that as needed. I wonder how many of those uh, innovations will stay once things are a little more stable. There's no telling. There's no telling. There's, there's no telling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, one of the things that I see in, in my corner of the event world is, you know, because a lot of people were shut down for some period of time at least, you know, 
revenue streams are tighter, so they don't want to spend money on things. You know, security gets cut all the time, even under the best circumstances. So now it's even worse. So it sounds like you have to have more people either physically traveling with you or at least on call. Who's paying for that? Because that's more in an environment where people want to pay less. How's that work? Um, it is a, a, a strong balance and uh, a, the cause of many arguments. <laughs> um, but basically what it boils down to is, um, I call it insurance. Like every extra person is insurance. Because the, the reality is going to be this. If we miss a show, if we have to cancel a show because we didn't have enough coverage, then it ultimately doesn't matter because now no one's making any money. So um, I, I would say that... Um, I try to avoid the finances as much as possible. First off, <laughs> I don't have that mindset. And then they start talking all these, this lingo. I'm just like, can I buy this? Yes or no. Um, that's, just, <laughs> that's as far as I go. But um, it it just gets um, to the point where, where it's gotten to the point where I, I think everyone understands the, that there isn't going to be um, as much profit. No one's doing this for free, right? So you know, there's there's a profit. There's a margin that everyone's going to try to hit. Um, and I think that margin has has dropped. Um, it, it's about right now. It's about survivability. Like we we need to stay. Um, people need to work. You know, we need to stay relevant. And if it means that we're doing projects for very to little pro, very to, to no very little to no um, uh, profit, that's the case. Because um, just can't stop. I think the minute you stop completely and then you try to start up again. Yeah, then you have to break back in. Yeah, you know. um, uh, I I think that's probably the the, the safest way to to explain is everyone's knowing they're not going to make a profit or as much of a profit um, or or the loss isn't going to be as much or we're willing to take a loss now to ensure that, you know, we have this product out, you know, for a, a year or two and hopefully, you know, come out with, with a product at the end. I remember back in ancient times at the beginning of the pandemic, <laughs> you know, the line was, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, lots of people didn't feel that way and certainly didn't act that way. But it sounds like, Hector, that's essentially your attitude um, as you tour. And you know, is, is that right? Yeah, it's, it really is a perfect motto. Um, uh, whether you agree with it or not, um, it, it's really the, the only way to get through it. So, um, and we're seeing that um, some of the people, places um, that weren't really buying into that um, are, are, are slowly but surely they're coming around. Because um, reality is like, there's one thing that has survived, you know, the test of time, and that's like live entertainment. Though for about 14 months there, <laughs> there was one thing that did kill it. Um, but uh, it, it it always comes back to the people needing live entertainment. So whatever your feelings are about whatever, whether they're, you know, personal, you know, political, all that eventually is going to, people are just going to say, oh, you know, forget this. We We need live entertainment. Let me do my part. From your mouth to God's ear, Hector. <laughs> so, so if this conversation has sparked questions or thoughts, go ahead and email us at podcast at eventsafetyalliance.org. Uh, don't forget, we have the Event Safety Summit coming up at the middle of March. We'd love to see you there, either in person 
though those are almost sold out. So get that fast if you haven't already or online because it is a hybrid event this year and that you can find that at eventsafetyalliance.org. All right, Hector, what, what advice would you give somebody heading out on the road on a tour for, for a Broadway show or something like it? It's First gonna time be now. hard. It's gonna be hard if, if uh, what, should, people... what should they pack? <laughs> oh, uh, extra masks um, and more books because you're not gonna be out and about like you used to. Like the, that yeah, touring's they... not what a touring's not what it used to be. Like there, it's no longer like a big social event. Um, it'll get back to that, um, but just know it's a lot of patience and grace. Patience and grace. We we could all Absolutely. we we could all take that and internalize it a little bit yeah. more. You bet. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This was fun. (laughs) All right, everybody. Stay safe out there. Bye, guys.